Well, today we are continuing our series called Multiply, and we're learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and how we are called to make disciples of Jesus, thereby multiplying the kingdom in ever outward rippling circles. You know, being a follower of Jesus means that Jesus is our leader, that Jesus is our Lord. It means that we listen to him, that we learn from him, that we open up the scriptures and and read about him and pray having a relationship with him. And then it means we imitate him. We put into practice in every aspect of our life everything that we learn from our Lord. Last week, you remember, we celebrated Pentecost, which celebrates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that first day of Pentecost, and all the followers came to Christ, and and the church was born. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us into this new and more powerful relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and it is a relationship that helps us grow in maturity and in faith. And as we grow more in our relationship, that is what we call discipleship. We begin to look more and more like Jesus. We begin to sin less and love more. And it has absolutely nothing to do with our power. It is all through the power of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, it is a lifelong progression a lifelong journey, a journey that leads us to spiritual maturity. Now, there are lots of examples in Scripture about how to grow in the maturity of our faith. And one of those examples comes from the book of 1 John. John teaches that real Christian spirituality takes place over time. And he teaches that there are stages of spiritual development that are marked by some key features along the way. Now, he doesn't use terms like novice or an intermediate or an expert, like the skill level of a person that has learned to play a game or a sport. He uses the terms children, young men, and fathers. You see, he uses these relational terms, these family roles, because genuine spiritual development is essentially relational. It requires a relationship context. Healthy spiritual development isn't automatic at all, but it does occur within the confines of a healthy community of believers. Let's read what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. 
You see, in this passage, John refers to three different stages of development, doesn't he? Childhood, he says, dear children. Young adulthood, young men. And mature adulthood, fathers or parents. And John isn't referring to chronological ages. He's using that as an example. He is really referring to Christians in different stages of their spiritual development. Now, he repeats each age group two times. And it isn't because he's forgotten that he already mentioned them. Or it isn't God had given him this essay assignment that had to be a thousand words, and so he was repeating some things to to fill up the space. This is actually a form of Hebrew poetry. It's called parallelism. And you can find it in passages all throughout the Bible. And one of the things that Hebrew poetic parallelism does, it allows, allows the writer to emphasize a point by repeating it and also to elaborate on a point. So let's take a look at each of these stages of spiritual development and see just what John wants to teach us from this passage. So first of all, John addresses the children, doesn't he? And he says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And he also says, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. Now, I think there are two, character, uh, two things that characterize a believer at this stage of development. They have given their lives over to Jesus, and they have found forgiveness in Jesus. In other words, they've repented of their sins, and Jesus has justified them. He has made them right in the sight of God. Again, not because of anything that the new believer has done, although our Willingness to repent is an important step, but it's all because of the self-sacrifice, the self-giving sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. My friends, this is the first step and the most foundational step along the path of spiritual development. You can't move forward without it. You can't start without it, and it paves the path for everything that is to come. John says, you have known the Father what he means is that they've, they've met God through Jesus Christ and that they're getting to know God. They're getting to know God not as some distant, far-off deity, but as a father, as a personal relationship, as Abba, Father, Daddy. You see, a new believer experiences God's love in personal ways as they pray as they begin to sense that they are secure in God's love, that they begin to see God's activity in the world all around them, and they experience sometimes his loving correction, and they begin to have God's word come alive in them. Can you relate to this stage? Do you remember that moment in your life? If not, maybe it's because you haven't taken that step yet to surrender your life fully to Jesus. Because just like physical development, there has to be a birth. And in our spiritual development, there has to be a rebirth before we can continue to grow. And unlike physical birth, which we don't have any choice at all over, right? You're going to get born. In a spiritual birth, 
we absolutely have the choice to say, Jesus, I want you in my life and to personally receive him as Lord and Savior. In John's gospel, in chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he's talking about Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, but of God. My friend, if you had never made the decision to follow Jesus, then I am here to tell you that today is the best day to make that choice for yourself. It is the most important choice and decision that you can ever make in your life. And it will start an amazing journey for you. But childhood is just that. It's a beginning. It's not an end. God builds on the foundation to lead you to the next stage. John says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong, because the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You see, spiritual childhood should develop us into spiritual young adulthood. And unfortunately... I am here to tell you today that that does not mean you're going to mature into this ecstatic state of bliss and tranquility. Probably just the opposite. This stage is actually characterized by victorious struggle. Soon after you meet God and experience God's love and forgiveness, you're going to meet God's enemy. You're going to meet Satan. And Satan absolutely can't stand it that you are a child of God now, that you are forgiven in Jesus Christ. And he is going to oppose you, and you are going to need to learn to fight him on two different fronts. First, Satan wants nothing more than to keep you enslaved in sin, even though you've been forgiven forever by Christ's redeeming work on the cross. And you've been delivered from sin's penalty. There is still a battle that we will struggle with to be delivered from its power every day. It could be that old sins that you thought were gone forever might return and tempt you with great intensity. And maybe the Holy Spirit, out of a desire to help you grow in Christ-likeness, to, to leave your sinful ways behind, may actually convict you. And show you all those places in your life that still need to be pruned and, and burned and gotten rid of so that you can grow in Christ-likeness. You may become ever more aware of just how judgmental you are of other people. Of just how tempting it is to tell that little lie or that big lie. Or just how tempting it is to give in to whatever sin Satan wants to tempt you with in your fleshly desires. Satan will begin to whisper into your ears lies that you can never change. And you might even be tempted to fall into fatalism or self-despair. It's for that reason that we offer classes here, like the Break Free class, that help you break free of those chains once and for all and get rid of them. Because you have to know that God is willing and God is able to change you. 
and wants nothing more than for you to keep cooperating with the lessons that God is teaching you. Second, Satan is going to oppose you as you seek to begin to share your faith in Jesus with other people. God wants to use you, to use you to invite other people into a relationship with him, to help cultivate them and help them grow in that relationship. And for sure, Satan wants nothing less than that. So he's going to try and dissuade you from sharing your faith with people. You might have friends that reject you. You might feel like you get oppressed sometimes or you're not allowed to say what you want to say or share in the workplace. And there are, of course, people who live in parts of this world who share Jesus with others at the risk of their own arrest or even death. And so where do we get this strength to to make it through this struggle that John is writing about? Well, it's not from your willpower, that's for sure. And it's not from your strength either. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and by abiding, by staying in God's word. Now, Satan is a liar and he wants to deceive you. But God's word is truth. And so we need to, be, to read the Bible and to get God's truth inside of us. We need to be in God's word each and every day of our lives to learn all the truth that God's word holds. And then we have to put God's truth into practice in our lives. And so as you abide in God's word and as you share Jesus with other people, God is going to win victories in you and he's going to win victories through you. And the Spirit is going to develop your character more and more into the character of Christ. And he will use you to influence others. And you will be able to overcome the evil one in ways that bring glory to God. And you will eventually develop into the next stage. John talks about this stage when he says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. This was such an important statement that John actually repeats it word for word just a couple of stanzas later. And so on the surface, it kind of sounds like John is saying the same things that he said to the spiritual children, right? You have known him. And on one level, that's true. Because from the very beginning of our spiritual journey all the way to the end of our journey, our main goal is always to get to know God more and more and more in Jesus Christ. Spiritually mature Christians never outgrow their appreciation for God's love and God's forgiveness and their desire to talk to and listen to God in prayer. Their appreciation just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. But John does give us a hint that there is something new and different about this stage of the journey and the knowledge of God. And the hint is that the mature believer knows God who has been from the beginning. Now, spiritually mature Christians know by personal experience, that God is unchanging and that God is completely faithful to his words. And so they've been tested 
by fire, those fires that come in everyone's life, and still their lives show stability and perseverance and hope because they've stood the tests of times and they've experienced through them just how reliable God is in every situation. Whether it was the death of a loved one or an unexpected job loss or any number of tragic experiences, the mature Christian has built their life on the rock of God's word. And they have weathered many storms and they have this quiet strength that goes far beyond mere words. And the good news is that this kind of maturity is available to everyone who knows Jesus Christ, no matter how damaged you have been, no matter how immature you feel you are right now, no matter how far or distant spiritual adulthood seems in the future to you now. God is willing and God is able to develop in you spiritual maturity so that you become a mature adult in Christ as you simply stay in step with the Lord day by day by day. We're all on a journey of discipleship together. We're not all in the same place on our discipleship journey, but we are all on the journey together. It's a lifelong journey, as I said. We never actually arrive. We're always on the way, striving to grow more and more and more like Jesus. And as a church, the most important thing we can do is to help each of you grow in your discipleship and to grow more and more in love with God and more and more in love with others. Here at Anderson Hills, we use a little different language to describe the various levels of spiritual maturity. They are exploring Christ, growing in Christ, close to Christ, and Christ-centered. In the exploring Christ level, people are still kind of on the perimeter of the Christian faith. They're on the outside looking in. They're investigating the faith. They're asking questions about Christ to get to know him a little bit, to make a decision. They're evaluating Christianity's core beliefs. They're searching, actually, for reasons to believe. Unbelief might be the best word to describe a person still at this stage. They haven't made a commitment yet to follow Jesus and to claim him as Lord of their life. Ephesians 2.1 describes them as those who are dead in their transgressions and sins. You see, before someone makes a decision to follow Christ, they first have to become aware that they need a Savior, that they are a sinner, and that they become aware of sin in their life. Because it's only then that the Holy Spirit can move and invite them into a relationship with Jesus. And once a person does make a decision, once they decide to repent and, and, and follow Jesus, they move into the next level of spiritual maturity, which is growing in Christ. This stage is a lot like the childlike stage that John is writing about in 1 John. These are the, there are lots of people that are found at this stage. In fact, research has shown that most people in most churches across this country find themselves in the growing in Christ stage. 
So at this level, you've got a personal relationship with Jesus. And you're learning, beginning to learn what it means and what it's going to take to develop that relationship more and more. At this stage, you're on board with most of the core beliefs of the Christian faith. And you're becoming more comfortable practicing some spiritual practices, some spiritual disciplines. Though people at this level are growing, a lot of their spiritual life still revolves around them. It's like, I need to have my needs met in worship. I want my desires met, my interests met. There remains a lot of self-centeredness and rebellion at this stage. And there's a danger at this level of involvement in the Christian faith of actually slipping into a spiritual coma. I mean, if we aren't careful, our faith can become nothing more than a set of rituals and routines, recitations and rules and responsibilities. We become busy with church activities, thinking that's all there is. And we forget to stop trying to to stretch our our spiritual muscles and to, to push ourselves further to explore new spiritual territory, to go ever deeper in our relationship with God and others. We might stop hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We may not be around enough other spirit-filled Christians, mature Christians, to see the benefit of living like that, the challenges of moving forward. Some people do get stuck here, sometimes for years. But some people begin to get this nagging feeling that there must be, there must be, Something more. And oh my friends, there is so much more. There is so much more that God wants for you and for me as we mature. And it is this knowledge that can catapult us sort of forward into what we call around here the second half of the gospel. We continue this journey of discipleship being transformed till we want nothing more than the pure love of God, and love of other people. Now, in order to move forward, we have to recognize that our deep intimacy with God is blocked or can be blocked by our love of other things. We come to see in a more powerful way than ever before at this stage that we have got to put an end to our indulgence to sin, to our selfishness, to the things of this world, And we have to adopt a new passion, a new way of living, holy living. We come to this realization that we have got to get rid of all the garbage in our life that help us keep God at arm's length. We realign our spirit with God's spirit. And we choose to surrender fully to God. And when we make the choice daily to surrender to God, our will for God's will, it is then that we move to the next level, close to Christ. And at the close to Christ level, your faith becomes to be deeply personal, a very significant part of your life every day. Your faith becomes relevant in every waking moment of your day. You think about it a lot. And faith is no longer defined at this stage by an hour of something that happens on Sunday morning or Wednesday evening maybe. You're willing to publicly proclaim to the world that you're a Christian. You don't care who knows. And you take ownership of your own spiritual journey 
not waiting to be spoon-fed by someone else or being told how to grow in your faith. You take ownership of it because it's that important to you. At this level, your faith becomes more other-focused. You realize that you're actually called to give to the body of Christ and not just receive or take. And so you begin to say things like, I really want to go on the student team effort mission trip this week. Because I want nothing more than to serve other people and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. You may begin to pray every morning because you have a heart for lost people that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord yet. And you pray, God, would you show me one person today with whom I can share my faith and maybe lead them to the Lord. Choosing to fully surrender to Jesus is not just a one-time event. It is an everyday occurrence, maybe even every moment by moment. It's an ongoing process. It is a lifestyle, truly, of daily surrender. Well, there is one more level on the journey, and it is called Christ-centered. And the best word to describe this level of spiritual maturity is submission. You see, Christ-centered believers are undeniably transformed. You can tell by looking at them, by talking to them, that Christ has changed them. Christ-centered people are the most active hands and feet of Jesus in the whole world. They've relinquished their secular values, their worldly aspirations, and they have yielded control of their life to Jesus. He guides their behavior. They begin pouring into others at every chance they have, making disciples and reproducing their faith in other people. The term parent, the term spiritual father or spiritual mother, describes this person. Now, I've already said this, that we are all a work in progress. And the road to Christian maturity isn't always a linear one. Sometimes we go forward, sometimes we go back, sometimes we feel like we're in a couple of places all at the same time. That's okay. Sometimes that happens when circumstances change in our life. Spiritual development is not this automatic thing. It's not like physical development at all. It requires our willing cooperation with the work of the Holy Spirit. And becoming familiar with the stages of spiritual development and learning some of the ways that we can continue to grow in our spiritual maturity is really important. Because we know that there are certain catalysts that can help us move from one stage of development to the next stage of development. And keep us maturing our whole life long in our faith. Here at Anderson Hills, you'll often hear us talk about the six habits. The spiritual disciplines that are the best catalysts to help us grow in our faith our whole life long. They're spending time daily with God. Sharing our faith with others. Worshiping. God, participating in a small group, giving generously, and sharing, serving, excuse me, in a ministry. And of these six habits, there are two that are the most impactful to help keep us maturing our whole life long. And the first one is spending time daily with God, right? I mean, if you want to have a deepening relationship whether it's with another human being or with it's our divine father, the only way to do that is to spend time together, right? 
You can't be distant and grow. This habit actually has two parts. It's daily reading and reflecting on God's word uh, that's found in scripture. And of course, um, learning to put that truth, the truth of God, into practice in our lives. And the second part of that is spending time daily with God in prayer, both talking and listening to God. The second most impactful habit is to participate in a small group. These are the discipling groups that that allow us to be in community with other like-minded believers. As scripture says, iron sharpens iron. It helps us grow. We keep each other sharp, and we learn to grow together with other Christians. I know in my own life as a Christian, as I look back over the lots of years that I've been alive, I give thanks to God for the teachers of my Sunday school classes when I was just a little boy, and for my youth fellowship leaders and the other students in youth fellowship when I was a a teenager at a church here in Cincinnati, for men and women that have come in and sometimes out of my life over my journey who have been more mature in the faith than I have been and have poured into me, who have discipled me, to have helped me grow in my faith. I'm thankful for disciple Bible study years, uh, classes for more than 20 years that have helped me grow, for my life group and for my discipleship band as well. You know, the best way to put John's scripture passage into practice is for you to evaluate where you are in your spiritual maturity today and to think about those habits, those disciplines, those practices, those catalysts that have helped you grow to where you are today. And then the second part of that is to pray about what other habits, what other disciplines, what other catalysts might you pursue to help you keep growing, to keep moving forward in becoming more and more perfected in Christ Jesus. You see, our goal is to fulfill Colossians 1, 28 that says he, Jesus, is the one we proclaim. May everything that comes out of our mouth be Jesus. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. May it be so. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for the gift of the Holy Spirit, who leads us onward, who convicts us, who causes us to um, turn to you and give our lives to you. We give you thanks for your spirit that, that guides us and leads us and teaches us and reminds us of everything that Christ Jesus has shown to us. We give you thanks for your Holy Spirit, which brings alive your holy word and all the truths contained therein. Holy Spirit, would you help each of us grow and learn all the days of our life? Help us get rid of the garbage that prevents us from growing fully in you and help us prune away those things so that we have more room to grow and blossom and bloom fully for you. Lord, keep us on the journey together, sharpening one another and present us in that final day as fully mature in Christ our Lord. We pray in his name. Amen.